Hello and welcome to the Total Clarity Podcast. I'm Mike Varley. I'm Jesse Hyatt. And we have with us a guest for our first themed walk, the parks of Olmsted and Vox. This is Ariel Abrahams. We've known him for almost six years now. He, we met him at Sunday Dinner, which is the location where Jesse and I met for the first time. Mm-hmm. And he has a pretty intimate relationship with Prospect Park, which is where we are one of the Olmsted and Vox parks. And so he's going to informally take us on a tour while we have a conversation. So without further ado, uh, thank you for joining us and let's thank start you. out. Thank you, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, tell us, I mean, how far back does your relationship with this park go? I remember my first time being here. Mm-hmm. Also, I'll say something about the park in general, maybe just to start with. Okay. okay. What I like about the park is that it's between neighborhoods, mm-hmm. like many big parks are, or many big things are. But it's kind of like a time warp, like when you enter one, when you come in here, you're in the park. Yeah. When you come in there, you're in the park. It's one place. Right. Mm-hmm. And somehow you like step in and then you step out and you're in a completely different place. Yeah. And the time in between doesn't register like a neighborhood would, even though it's as big as like three neighborhoods. Do you um, have any insight? personal insight as to why you think that is? Well, I think because you're... The, the feeling of the park, even though there's lots of feelings that we'll feel today, <laughs> <laughs> um, overall it's still at a much kind of slower wavelength than mm. everything else. And a little bit more uniform and natural, obviously. Right. So that would be my guess. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I know one of the things that that I found in my research, which was fairly limited. You know, we could really do a podcast on each one of the different locations we'll be visiting on this walk. Uh Uh, Prospect Park, Central Park, Morningside Park, Riverside Park, both of the parkways that we walk. We walk the Ocean Parkway this week and we walk the Eastern Parkway this week. Uh, But, you know, one of the things that I found in general about uh, the Olmstead idea is that it, I guess contrary to what was going on in the burgeoning idea of landscape architecture and urban environments at the time, it, it was not about integrating into the city, it was about taking you away from the city mm-hmm. and giving you an opportunity to escape. So I guess that kind of echoes what you're saying about the idea of being torn out of the, air, the larger area for a period of time. Mm. You know? Yeah. And this park in particular, so we just, the first time I came here is with my extended family on a bike trip from, not a bike trip, we rented bikes in Financial District, okay. rode, rode over the bridge, did the loop, came back, and I remember that clearly, and wow. I was probably in high school on some vacation or something, I don't know, we grew up on Long Island, so it wasn't far, but. Right. Right. But then I lived on that side of the park for 2011. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then only in 2019 moved back and Marissa makes fun of me. I kept saying like, it's so dense. The park is so dense. I just kept saying dense. Right. And then one day she came home and she was like, it is dense. <laughs> <laughs> because, and that, that's the charm. I say we should stay on this okay. little area. Okay. It goes, it has an end. Okay. And the density like gives you, I mean, there's still parts, like a month ago I found a little, nook that I had never been to before. Wow. And I walk here like 
at least four times a week. So it's just cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How can there be so many secrets that I think about Olmsted all the time? He built, yeah. he and I don't know, Vox. Calvert his. Vox. I uh, deliberately went on uh, to various pronunciation okay. sites. Because I've, for years, been... Because it looks like it should be Calvervo. It looks okay. like French, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. But Weird. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not. So it's, this is like a, a giant puzzle box that they've created. And when you walk in it, you are appreciating that the trees and the birds that are here. But it's also their explicit planning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, yeah, the density, it's sort of, there's so many different things packed into this park, but then also the way that the trees are, I feel, I, what do you mean by density? Is it both of those things? Like that there are so many trees and you feel like you're in these little pathways? Yeah, I and, mean more the pathways, like yeah. here. So we should stop off here. This is a part of the park that is like so beautiful. It's these three fountains. I've only ever spent time at this one, but I'm sure I could spend days worth at each and they these don't even represent what most people think of as prospect park right uh -huh. and there's just so many moments that are crammed together every bridge can be walked over or under and those are completely different experiences but not every over bridge path has an easy way to get under <laughs> sometimes you have to find it on your own when did you guys first come to the park uh my first time in Prospect Park. I guess I don't remember as specifically as you do, but it must have been sometime the summer of 2009 uh -huh. when I was living in Gowanus for the summer in an apartment that I then moved back to a few years after. And we would spend weekends coming to the park and barbecuing and we lived in Gowanus on 3rd Ave, uh -huh. so it was down the hill, and my roommate would, you know, Saturday mornings get up and say, you know, get our bikes, get the grill, <laughs> and we'd have to bike up the hill, which was not something I enjoyed, but once we got here, <laughs> it was pleasant, mm. and, um, and the bike back down with the grill and everything was, was easier. <laughs> that sounds epic. <laughs> yeah, and we would always, you know, I... I'm very much not a person of routine, but when it comes to certain things, I am. Uh -huh. We would always sit on the uh, the side. I guess I'm bad with cardinal directions. I don't know. I the guess it would be the either. western side, closer to of the park, which closer to to Gowanus. Okay. Uh, we would always sit over there near like where it enters on Ninth Street, and there's that big house. Yeah, the picnic house. The picnic house. When we were going to picnic, so uh -huh. it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These are under construction, but when they have water, then, the, then I, yeah, they're like lily pads and animals and frogs. And oh wow! Yeah, These, I don't think I've ever been to this part. These were kind of like the magic garden feel okay. of like where am I? And yeah. people would sit, and it just felt like they must have been having important conversations. <laughs> now yeah. it's it's not quite like that. Right, but it will be again. <laughs> it will be again. Yeah. Mike, what was your first time in the park? It's a hard for a hard for me to recall what my first time would be, but my guess would be the Prospect Park band show mm. and some of the free concerts that uh, occurred there. 
I was dating somebody that lived in the Windsor Terrace area for a period of time, mm -hmm. uh, right by the park. So there were definitely some instances where we would come and hang out. But I l had an apartment on, in East Williamsburg for most of the time. So coming out here was much more of an occasion mm -hmm. than uh, a casual thing. Right. So, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, definitely spent a lot of time on the the great lawn i don't know if that's i don't know if it's called the great lawn formally or not but that large yeah, that's area right there, yeah. yeah okay and uh and yeah i mean uh, there's a couple of times where i've spent more like traversing the entirety of the park and like happened across huge drum circles and uh, -huh. uh other just weird uh, structures and actually let's go even though it's noisy we'll just come yeah down there. okay okay and uh, so, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for this week. One of the other things about this podcast that's interesting is the first day, this is the first time we're doing it on a Monday. Uh -huh. So we are going to be talking more about potential than uh, experience at this point. Can we like just, yeah, we want to go there. Okay, okay. let's yeah. keep going. <laughs> more about um. potential than experience. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, on the previous podcasts, it seems that we do each podcast just a little bit differently. And for this one, we won't be talking about things we've already experienced. Ah, I see, you know, I see. We'll be talking about, I guess, a little bit of our past experience, but also sharing your experience of the park for this particular one. So, cool. yeah. So it's interesting to think about uh, in terms of the Olmsted and Vox connection here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that the first project that Olmsted and Vox did together was Central Park. That's right. It was the first one they did together. The circumstances under which they came together is really compelling. They, or at least the experience they brought to the table for it was pretty compelling. Olmsted, I did not know this until having done some research for the walk, had a prominent career as a journalist before he became what he is known as now, which is this, you know, designer of parks and also conservationist. The father conservationist. of landscape architecture, as they call him. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, and, uh, yeah, I find that kind of a complicated situation, but he, yeah, Why he was, that? he, well, because Vox was such a, a, an integral part in getting his career ah. started in this area. I see. But he, uh, just to speak about his journalism career for a second, he did this five-year tour of the Plantation South, the slave-era economy South. And uh, fortunately for uh, the future and being able to talk about him in some regard he uh found that his findings were that the slave economy was uh i mean not only just morally wrong but also just terribly inefficient uh -huh. and not uh yeah like a, the same amount of work that could be done in the north would take four times as long in the south using mm -hmm. slave labor and so he did this this report took over five years multiple volumes for the new york times and as a consequence, he established some renown for himself. And from there, he was friends with this gentleman, uh, Andrew Jackson Downing. Uh -huh. And 
that was uh, a famous landscape architect, architect of the time, and Calvert Vox worked with him. And he, Downing was the, the person that hooked the two of them up. And he then died suddenly. And at that point, uh, Vox and Olmsted teamed up for the, uh, for the pitch on Central Park. Uh -huh. And Olmsted's really contribution to it was, I guess, just the opinions he had. He was also he had also gone to England before he had done the uh, uh, the overview of the uh, plantation economy uh -huh. and had observed a lot of the gardens there and mm -hmm. started forming opinions. And he had a tremendous amount of political connections, I guess, and was just kind of more of a charismatic guy. Uh -huh. And then uh, Vox, he was no slouch as far as what he had designed the White House grounds. Uh, and a number of other uh, instances, a uh, number of other different projects with Downing. And there seemed to be, well, there's written some idea that maybe Vox uh, felt a little bit resentful for Olmsted. Oh. But that was kind of the thing that I thought was the most compelling for us to talk about today, mm -hmm. in that we. As I said earlier, you could do an episode on every one of these parks, yeah. and we could have historians and politicians, and there's just so much content, and I, we're not gonna be able to capture all of that in an accurate way, but I think something that we all experience or have an idea of, yeah. Oh, I just wanna stop here. Yeah, of course. You should finish your sentence. Yeah, yeah. Is, um, yeah. is the idea of partnerships, and I think when I, when I think of partnerships in contemporary culture, it, it's, it's hard because a lot of times we have to have a winner and a loser, you know? Mm. There, has to be, there has to be a Garfunkel to a Simon <laughs> yeah. or, uh, or an Oates to a Hall, you know? Uh -huh. and, uh, and very rarely is it like a Lennon and a McCartney situation. And if it is, it's be, they, they, then we inject into it that they have a very you know, uh, contemptuous, you uh -huh. know, relationship, you know, where uh -huh. uh, they had to fight and then they broke up and whatnot. And so, yeah. you know, it, was there some bitterness on Vox's side? I mean, it's very easy to apply that narrative for me where it's like this guy that actually had the experience to do this, uh -huh. you know, uh, had, uh, but brought in this guy that had the political connections mm -hmm. and then maybe felt like he was, uh, taken advantage of or not fully given the appreciation. I mean, certainly people don't know his name, but uh, but maybe he didn't feel that way. You know, they, they formed a company together and they, you know, basically designed Buffalo and all yeah. sorts of these other parks all over the country and all over the continent. And, uh, you know, uh, we like to put these narratives because we see ourselves in them maybe or, or, or what, I don't know, but that's, that's my contribution to the discussion. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, I think, in our current social relationship climate, you know, we watch so much reality TV and we watch politics and we watch things that are sort of contentious and we like that drama as entertainment. 
And I don't really know how far that stems back, but I do wonder if it's part of just the general human condition to feel competitive and to feel like you want recognition for the things that you've done. I guess you want to feel valued, you want to feel seen, you want to feel appreciated. And I guess I, yeah, I can't really, I can speculate kind of in two different directions. I could, on one hand, I could imagine, you know, Vox was older and had more experience and he knew when he asked Olmsted to be part of his team, he uh -huh. knew that it was for the connections and he knew that Olmsted was the young guy that had a lot of not like was already I think he well was actually known. two years younger. Vox oh, was actually was two years oh, younger, really? I believe so. <laughs> it, and one, it was a two year difference, like, but I mean, it was okay. that he had the experience in the arena. Okay, yeah. And Olmsted obviously had some sort of flair yeah. for the idea. Vision and, yeah. and way of speaking about it and connection with the people that would get them the job. So on one hand, I could imagine, you know, if I were in Vox's position, I could either think, what the hell, this guy is new here, why am I not getting the credit, what's going on? Or I could think, <laughs> or I could think, this is exactly why I brought him on. And I get True. to do the thing that I love to do, which is landscape archi architecture. I've done this for such a long time. I've never gotten a project as big as Central Park. I don't know if I could have gotten it without Olmsted, purely because of his name. And then they went on to do a bunch of stuff together, like for years and years. And we, yeah, like you said, designed parks all over the country and into Canada. And yeah, yeah. There's, there's no reason to, to assume, I mean, you've done the research, but there's no reason to assume that that there was tension just because we now have stories about there being tension. Yeah. Right. If they were really working together every day, that's just work. Who knows right. what it was like? Every day was probably different. Maybe there was tension that yeah. was explicit, but... I mean, they certainly, uh, they came together at the end of Vox, Vox drowned, uh, tragically, in Gravesend, mm -hmm. and Olmsted ended up uh, declining into senility uh, and retired to, you know, his final years. Yeah. But they, before either of those instances happened, they did get together on a park to honor their friend and mentor Downey. Oh. So certainly they were able to put aside if, if there were differences. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I, I just think it's, yeah, it's, it's so tempting. Even, even as I say this, I, I'm definitely interested in applying narratives to any tandem <laughs> I, you know, I see yeah. and try to think like, well, how, how does this relationship work, you know? And, right. and then reducing it to some sort of, oh, it's peanut butter and jelly or it's oil and vinegar, you know? It's <laughs> yeah. like, and it always has to be that way. Uh, I mean, it doesn't have to be that way, but it feels good as a human to sure. like put those boxes, you know, together. And uh, yeah. I stopped this here because yeah. This is one big moment that is like so nice. Yeah. And I, especially when I used to live right there, it was nice to come out here at night in pajamas and just be like, <laughs> it's not really my front yard. It's even better in a way. It's like, yeah. and to come here at night, it's relatively safe. There's a few areas where it's like, you don't want to be there early morning or at night right. as a, someone who doesn't want to engage with other people. Right. And, but this is a nice moment. And I thought it's so nice to actually just walk straight because it's something that you don't get to do in the city. And then when you reach the end, you, as a naive 
uh, first time person at the park, you think, oh, I've reached the end of the park. <laughs> Little do you know, you've, you've been a, maybe a quarter. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it feels complete. Yeah. 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 So I figured this should be our, yeah. our line. proposal. All right. Well, let's go. Perfect. We went with, without the paths. Yeah. Because who needs them? We're in a park. Who needs paths? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You mentioned that the one of the things that I saw from researching the park itself was that pretty early on when the New York Times was doing its kind of, you know, general reporting on the park, it was a very successful park. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that was called out in the readings was that the, the people, there was an uproar about people not using the paths <laughs> because they were uh, ruining the lawns, I guess, or something. Yeah. So. so interesting. I've noticed that during COVID, the park is just like a giant pot cafe. Oh, yeah? yeah. Oh, really? It's great. Like every little pocket. That's funny. <laughs> Everyone's chilling out. Yeah. yeah. It's stressful as That's well. good. <laughs> Need the relief. On this way, we get to go up and down hills, too, nice. which is kind of nice. And we get to see so many big trees that are really... There's one area where there's like seven big trees. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. They're on a hill. Oh, and I it's know. like, this is a showcase for seven specific trees. <sighs> we'll, we'll go there, of nice. course, because nice. it's important. <laughs> <laughs> the park's also interesting because of the loop. Mm -hmm. I feel like the loop gives... It's also, I, I mean, I... There's a part of me that loves trickery or loves, like I have so many ideas for short stories or constructions of some kind where you're given something and then it tells you it's the end, but somehow the book just keeps going. You're like, well, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> and the loop makes you think, I know how to get around the whole park. Right. And you can do the loop and it's long and satisfying. Yeah. But you haven't been around the whole park. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, there's still more to go even when you complete the loop. Yeah, and you think, okay, maybe there's more on the inside, and there is, but there's just as much on the outside of the mm. loop. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I like this park a lot. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. good. Well, it's, well, good it's that you're nice on. the idea, as a conceptual thing, the idea of a loop is, you know, a loop is infinite. Uh -huh. And I wonder if there was any thought on that, having a loop that sort of makes you feel like you've seen the whole thing, but you can always keep going and going on the loop. And I wonder if there was ever any thought of like, if people know they can keep going and going on the loop, maybe they'll understand that they can keep going and going beyond <laughs> the loop and outside of the loop, and it can also be infinite. Maybe, yeah, I, I wonder, yeah. I don't know how, how much that I'm applying to that now or. <laughs> and there's a loop in Central Park too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this section is a part that definitely resonates with me a lot as far as time spent here. I've definitely sat on those benches to the left a bunch and mm -hmm. just rode or read. And of course, there's bathrooms over there, so that's part of the reason why it's so appealing. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this open space invites a lot of picnicking or just hanging out. Mm -hmm. I've noticed I've been doing the i was doing the loop a lot more in march and april in the beginning of mm -hmm. the pandemic when i wasn't working uh -huh. and i was noticing how the flavor of the different areas based i assume on the neighborhoods nearby mm. was very different <laughs> i think 
At least I just noticed that it seemed like maybe people in Park Slope were going a little more crazy at the beginning because really? they were just being so wacky out here. Like, full-grown <laughs> men just crying to listen to music. Wow. Like, people who you, you wouldn't see that publicly otherwise. Wow. <laughs> like, their world had been broken in a different way qualitatively than closer to where I live or the bottom where... I don't know. <laughs> People were enjoying the air or what, you know, what was the vibe? Yeah, I don't know. There was more you. exercise happening. Okay. <laughs> okay, versus just like complete breakdown. It's, it seemed on more than one occasion where there was just, there was people also like taking up more space than maybe they should have. Or like, I don't know, I associate it with the, the kind of, um, uh, I don't know the right word, but living in a wealthier neighborhood like Park Slope versus living in any of the other neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. It's taking up less space and this guy playing his bagpipe for me was like the top. Like out here, playing his bagpipe so loud that you could hear it all the way at the other end. Oh wow, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> there are plenty of musicians out there too. But they... Just letting off all the steam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is so nice. The wind is really nice. Mm. We'll see how nice it is for the audio. <laughs> True. But it's really nice for the walking. Yeah, it is. In the park, I kind of have mask up and down. Yeah, I personally yeah, don't mind whatever you guys want to do. No, it's fine. Yeah, I'm fine with that too. So Ariel was the first person to ever request to be on the podcast. <laughs> I feel half embarrassed about it. No, oh, no, not at all. No, I feel was, honored I feel like that, a uh, so, yeah, I, felt, I felt flattered that you wanted to be on it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. There are so few of us serious walking artists, I'd say. That's right. And so any walking project that comes, I feel like I have to take part in if, if I can in some way because they happen so rarely. Yeah. Something nice. that's like, I mean, you guys are really strict about it and you're putting in the miles. Yeah. And uh, I used to go on Todd Shalom's Elastic City Walks here and there. If yeah. you've ever been on them or heard of them. No, I've no. I've heard of them, but I've never been on one. Do you want to tell us about it a little bit? I don't know so much about it, and he doesn't do it anymore. He shut down the project. But basically, it was kind of like, what if walking art could be um, an, not an industry, but like uh, more regular and more walks. So we had, mm. he, I guess got grants and then gave them to other people to make walks of mm. all kinds. And the one that I enjoyed the most was, I mean, there's also an element of like the hardcore nature of what you guys are doing. Um, maybe I'll ask my question after this to you guys, but there's something about like a huge walk that's um, very appealing, I think, on a real elemental level. Yeah. Um, like the Hajj has always been interesting and of course, I can never do that as a Jewish person, mm. but I had many fantasies, like what if I converted to do? What would that <laughs> would it be like? I, mean, I wouldn't, but um, there was one walk Todd Shalom had someone else do, which was across the whole fire island at night. Ooh, wow. Okay. And, and just anything so long and at night gets really wacky and there were many <laughs> strange moments Yeah, that just couldn't have happened in another way. Yeah. Um, Except for something like that. Yeah. Surrounded by the beauty that's there. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, we've been hearing a lot about 
different people that are, you know, walking artists and as as would make sense, you know, people have associations on what we're doing and mm -hmm. it's uh, it's great to yeah, it's great to experience and, and learn about all these things. I mean, I don't, we're still trying to suss out what all this is. I mean, certainly there's a lot of uh, very, uh, I don't know, regimented and, and structured things to what we're doing. So right. that is definitely sorted out. We know what we're doing, mm -hmm. but how it can be considered art or not art or process or what what bucket it falls into or what ratio and also what different type of documentation falls into what thing like what this podcast is versus what the pictures we take are mm -hmm. versus what the writing i do at the end of the day versus all the video i've been taking and how that's going to end up as an output at the end you know mm -hmm. it's all very fluid but yeah the uh and then how much just the act of what we're doing once you take away all the documentation is also a thing yeah know? it's all uh it's all still very much up in the air, even though we've planned this for such a long period of time. You yeah. Know? And mm. it's nice to see as people are telling us about other walking artists, it is really nice to, it feels like a community, you know, even if they're not alive anymore, yeah. it feels like, oh, look, there's like, we know that no idea is ever solely unique to us yeah. because there's just so many people and so many options for similar ideas to prop up mm -hmm. but some ideas are harder to find uh, out there in the world on a on a simple google search or true coming you know even walking 26 miles a day you don't always run into other people that are doing something similar yeah so we love the the suggestions and we've started a list of uh things that we need to look at and study and understand more too yeah or not need to that we're excited to <laughs> <laughs> that we want to look into here we have a giant water bowl for dogs oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. they, they love it uh, <laughs> it's so gross but i guess it's not unhealthy i don't know i think it's fun for them <laughs> it's actually it doesn't look so disgusting today it, it looks nice Sometimes it's really, really something. Yeah. <laughs> I should say Todd Sean is alive. Okay, yes. <laughs> He's not deceased. Good, He's, yeah, good. Thank you for clarifying that. I was kind of thinking about some other people that are on my list that are, it. have passed, but yeah. yeah, yeah he, for... he interestingly made the jump that many artists do to healthcare. He's a social worker now, I think. Oh, interesting. And I assume there's some something there that many artists feel where it's like, okay, I have a lot to give and art doesn't currently have mm. the capacity to let me give all that I have. Yeah. I'm not his friend, so I never asked him this, but it seems like a likely possibility. Yeah. yeah. Well, walking is so related to health as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that, what do they recommend? 10,000 steps a day yeah, to be exactly. a healthy person. And I don't know what they say about 55,000 steps a day, but <laughs> we feel pretty healthy right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, being able to share it with other people and create some form of, you know, it's good for the mind, it's good for the body, it's good for the legs, it's, it's good all around, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. My, my job before the pandemic, I really love the episode you had where you were in Midtown, because that mm -hmm. was basically my whole job for the most part. I work as like a salesperson essentially for a tiny soundproofing company 
and I would just go from client to client, but it would be taps three a day. And then I would just walk between them and it was just great. Like yeah. most of my day was feeling healthy and now it's, I'm not going to <laughs> doing that anymore. So yeah, yeah. I miss it. <laughs> yeah. 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 The forced walking in New York city, I think part of why we originally wanted to do this project is because we've done walks around the country mm. and we kept leaving to go see somewhere else in this way that people move around naturally here anyway so yeah. like like you enjoyed your walking around midtown but you were also there for work right and like so many people have that experience of yeah. well i just get my however many steps in every day walking to the subway and then walking from the subway and walking for lunch and it's something that's unique i think to this city really I I'm sure so there's too. other places in the world that have walking culture, but I think the amount of walking that happens in New York City during typical times yeah. uh, is, is pretty special. I think so too. Yeah. And people talk about it yeah. in other places. They're like, yeah, I never walk so much in my life when I'm right. from wherever, Ohio or <laughs> yeah. Right. When tourists come here, they're like exhausted from just going to the show and dinner. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we're like, what's the big deal? Right. <laughs> So you said you had a question for us. I do. So my question is, um, there's like a preamble, I guess, just I talk about, I talk about a lot of things to a lot of people. <laughs> and I talk about your project with friends and family. Well, thank you. Um, and the reactions have been very interesting. Mm. Okay. The reaction first, Sometimes I, I slip up. Like the other day I said they walk one mile a day. It just came out the wrong way. <laughs> and so the person I was talking to, I think was my mom. She was like, that doesn't sound like a lot. And I was like, no, no, no. They walk a marathon every day. And then the real reaction that I almost always get comes up, which is, it's like disbelief, anger. Um, what do you mean? What, wait, so you mean 26 miles? Which I kind of had too. Like, do you mean that? And... And it's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely a frustration with you guys, but not you, projected. Yeah. Um, why, why would they do that? Kind of like there's a background, is this healthy? Mm. Um, which is really unfounded. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I'm curious if you get that reaction also, specifically the... the like the anger part, that's what I'm curious about, but also if how you feel, yeah, how you feel this project has like changed the way people perceive you. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I mean, I don't think I've had really much, at least like face-to-face -face anger reaction. Mm. Um, have you? Anger might be the wrong word. So. It's like befuddlement. Yeah, mm. the befuddlement for sure. We get I'm, that. I am though. It's, it's, it's fun to hear, like, I'm sorry that your mom was angry, but also... It's, it, and anger is the wrong... It's, it's a fun anger. Yeah, because fun it's anger. art. Because it's, it's like, what? Why? What? If she I, saw it in a museum, she would be like, I just saw the most interesting thing. Yeah. Right. I like it's it. Because it's happening. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. There's also, a danger it poses to people, apparently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that though, because it's like the true, because we weren't there, like she might try to be polite if we had been there and she might yes. not have reacted with such strong feelings. But I love that they, that it does 
give people such strong feelings. Very much. And I would love for people to react in their full way when they're talking to us too. Because <laughs> I, I like that. I like to know like that it is hitting some button. Um, the question of is it healthy, I think honestly is a question we've asked ourselves too. Mm. I think um, when you hear marathon, you probably automatically think of running a marathon. Mm -hmm which I do think if we were running a marathon, it would be harder on our joints. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're three months in, we still have nine months to go. We'll see what our levels are at in at the end of the year. Yeah, there's some weird numbness that's happening in my feet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not super concerned because after two days break, which we do every week, it pretty much goes away. Mm -hmm. So yeah. uh, we're, you know, That'll be part of the journey to see what happens with that. But the first, after the first six to eight weeks, a lot of the pains that we were experiencing have pretty much gone away. So yeah. my body definitely gets used to it. So we did have one person that told us, should we keep walking? Should of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. I figured here we're at a great juncture. Yeah. Where, so we think we're at the end of the park. We think we've made it. It's one of those great ending moments and you can go to 15th Street Park Slope area. Right. Or, uh-oh. Uh-oh. But what's... <laughs> you could enter... What's to the left? What's to the left? Because, yeah, it's like in our heads we think this must be a square. And it's right. really not a square. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, there was one person before we started the project that said that... Just told us we weren't going to be able to do it. <laughs> there you oh, go. Oh, right. Yeah. And... Uh, Isn't it so interesting? That was... Yeah. That was... Yeah. I, I mean, you definitely tried to, like, not get in a fight with them but it was like i you don't know us at all yeah. like we had just met them it's their edge of reality that yeah. you with only well, I, I call it just a poem the poem is the we're going the sentence we're going to walk 26 miles five days a week for a year that poem was enough to break them a little bit right yeah, yeah. it's yeah. ultimately healthy for yeah. them i'd say yeah, yeah. yeah i think so yeah. let yeah. them dream yeah exactly. and, well, and when we were planning it too you know even with ourselves, it was, well, that's a little much. Like, <laughs> like, does it have to be 26? Does it have to be, a, can we do a half marathon? And it's like, and, and I think Mike really pushed it more than I did, where every time we tried to make it a little bit like less, it was, well, we lose that impact of this is outrageous. Mm -hmm. You know, what we're doing is, really wild and like more than you would typically think someone could do in a day yeah. yeah and i i mean when we interact with people while we're walking it can be very difficult to get that all out like there's a definitely a sense of modesty that i feel mm. and also like yeah it's a combination of modesty and like maybe i don't yeah i don't have the the energy to, you know, tell people like we, when we talk to people, we usually just say we're doing a, uh, a walking tour of all five boroughs. Yeah. Which could literally take a week. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's nothing that it, the marathon aspect, and maybe it is because you know, we're not interested in experiencing negative reactions, or I think more likely it just feels to me like there's people, people are. Uh, it's going to jam them up where like we can't yeah. we can't really have like the conver whatever whatever yeah. conversation we're having at that moment will be interrupted by the fact exactly. that exactly or they're just going to like ignore it 
and then uh, <laughs> that's a weird thing too yeah. where it's we like we do occasionally run into people that like just you know someone at the garden center store that we happen to be at that's like we just decide that we will tell this person what we're doing. Your and secret. Our secret. Your secret yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and sometimes the the reaction will be, oh okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Do you, wait, did you hear me? Like, yeah, it you... just came out to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's fine. Yeah. You're gonna bring your girlfriend for dinner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we've but, definitely um, had that happen a few times where yeah. people are like, uh huh, okay. And it's yeah. unclear if that's just them wanting to be polite and move the conversation forward, or you know, or if it is just like maybe there, maybe there are a lot of other people doing this kind of thing, and no. and they're like, oh okay, <laughs> oh my brother did that, you know. <laughs> I think it's even more the other way of yeah. like, it's a far. It becomes um, like if you met someone who was delusional and told you that they were going to go talk to the president later today, you would say okay. Right. And I think it's that. Yeah, Whereas, you're probably right. Except, oh, wow, yeah. Except that, I mean, the thing I like so much about, or the reason I think about these things, yeah. and this kind of question, specifically, like, the negative part of it is because I think that boundary is what's keeping everything together in a bad way. Mm. <laughs> I think, like, the daily life prescribed for us that we're seeing falling apart where there's no work during COVID for a lot of people, right. it's like... Every day we build the new our our day together as a world with yesterday's garbage and junk and mm-hmm. and we for the most part just keep making the same boring thing and if you dare to not it's really an a confrontation to anyone who's invested in building that or even more so to people who don't realize how much they need that yeah right so the fact that you might garner questions how do you pay for this right. Yeah. We I think that, that question, question really lot. upsets people. That I notice yeah. when I talk to people about monks. So I've been going to this monastery here and there, and the number one question people have isn't about why why would you go or what's it like for you. Yeah. It's how do they pay for it? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As if that's not fair. Right. Right. And why isn't it fair to live how you want to live? Yeah. Exactly. Especially when it's just walking 26 miles a day, or living in a monastery. Right. Yeah, if only because you don't realize the mechanism of your own chains to whatever. Yeah, like you don't like. Them. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, the answer is with money. <laughs> like we, we, we should, you know, it's like we we just we, we figured out how to do it, and, and it was like, well, which is strangely the same answer for the monks. Yeah, exactly. right. also they also yeah. work actually. It's still within it's still within the system. We just don't happen to be taking on the the additional heaviness of the starving artist or the additional heaviness of the stressed out person that's trying to figure out how to pay or you know we're giving ourselves these opportunities we certainly have done all of the financial considerations needed to do this which Um, i appreciate on your website i've never seen I've never seen it. I think that's what really got me interested. You were like, the first person to talk about it and maybe the only person that's brought it up. It's pretty radical. I hear a lot of organizations who want to do this, but it's so different and I don't even trust it. If it's like an organization, there could always be a check that's being slipped in, which is fine. Yeah. yeah. But it's almost irrelevant. Like yeah. the fact that you've already done the paperwork to become an LLC or something. That's complicated. This right. is just your life. Yeah. 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 Well, I have a I have a really strong interest in transparency within the 
economic system of businesses. Mm -hmm. And I also, after taking a business class a few years ago, have come to the realization that every single person has the potential to be a business mm -hmm. and or to be an entrepreneur or, you know, start a business of their own. And then when that relates to when that relates to what we're doing, uh -huh. I think we're falling into some kind of gray area in other people's minds and even in our own of, you know, is this project an art project? Is this our personal life? Is this a business? Is it, you know, what is it? And so uh, since, since there is, a, you know, that is part of the project is, is paying for it, uh, it feels good to just be transparent about that and, and sort of, you know, there's a there's an element of people spending their time only feeling valued if there's a monetary value that's high enough for society to recognize it as mm -hmm. being valuable if that makes yeah. sense and, yeah. and i hate that <laughs> <laughs> so can you say so why I, can you put it into a few sentences yeah well i think it it I think having a certain monetary value on either certain people, particular people or particular tasks that we call jobs or ways of life, it keeps people at an unequal standing and it makes that boundary that, that you mentioned too, you know, it keeps people within the boundary of what makes money that funds my life that I'm not necessarily sure that I even have decided I want for myself. Yeah. And I, and right. I think it has a lot well to do said. with the, the money aspect of our lives. Yeah. And for those unfamiliar listening with respect to the financial aspects of our project, if you go on our website, you'll see that we maintain a, a spreadsheet of sorts on the webpage that divides our costs up into fixed costs, food, clothing, podcast related expenses and miscellaneous expenses. And we update that once a month. We kind of started doing it every day, but it becomes a little much. So we kind of do it every month now. So if you might go on at any point, it might seem a couple weeks behind, but that's just because we can't keep up with it at that yeah. rate. But we thought it was important to, yeah, to track and have total transparency. And, you know, there were plans and there are still plans at some point to be selling some merchandise. Jesse was wearing one of our dichotomies, but took it off because it was a little Warm. hot right now. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we were planning on having events as well and that changed with COVID. So we intend to have an intake too that we'll be tracking at some point, uh, but it's not a necessity in order to do the project. Yeah, and, and when it does start to happen, then we will track it and show, you know, how it's balancing out. Yeah, yeah. Can we play a small game quickly? Very small. Yes. Okay. So I want us to each think of, well, first to take in this lawn. Okay. And if we could now remember the first lawn we were at mm -hmm. and just think of one word to describe that lawn. The other lawn. The other lawn first. Okay. And then we'll okay. do it for this one too. Okay. So the other lawn, think of a word. Okay. Um, okay. 
you go. Expansive. Expansive, vast, I'd say central. Mm. Okay. And now this line. More of an experiment than a game. <laughs> it's not so much fun. <laughs> mm. Okay. I'd say partitioned. Mm. Mm. But that may just be where, well, <laughs> it's directly informed by where we're standing right <laughs> now. Fine, yeah. But yeah, that's what I feel. I want to say diminutive. What does that mean in this context? Uh, like, smaller. Okay. The smaller I'd size. say cornered. 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 Okay. I think those are all associated. Yeah, definitely. I think it's probably true, but I love how like so many lawns here in this park and they all feel different. I guess similarly to what we were talking about, I feel like we live in a world where if you talk about feelings too much and the feeling of things, it's like people have that same, what are you saying reaction? Like, yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, but it's so cool here that there's so many lawns that are basically on the surface the same, grass and trees and a park, but at least to me, they all feel very different. Yeah. yeah. It's undoubtable. Yeah. And so there's an obvious question, how can that be? <laughs> yeah. And I don't have any single answer to it. Yeah. No. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> I wonder, like, if we had played that game in the opposite direction, too, if we yeah. saw this lawn first and then we saw that lawn, I yeah. wonder what the, the words would have been. Yeah. For sure. Because this is still, if we came upon this lawn first, I would maybe even think about the bigger side, you know, I'm kind of comparing <laughs> as it is. True, true. So it's unfair in a way to this one, maybe, or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, but small, you know, smaller can be nicer. Sometimes it's cozier. Yeah. Sometimes I feel safer in a smaller space. Yeah. So, yeah, this, this is, is great. It's really interesting <laughs> compared to Central Park. Uh -huh. I mean, maybe by the end of the week, we'll have a fuller picture. But now it's just, I guess, kind of gut uh, observations that this is it it really does have a different feel and profile it it feels like in Central Park everything is like really packed in like they're in not in a bad way in a, in a very entertaining mm -hmm. like firework show sort of way where it's like you really can't go more than a couple of hundred yards without like feeling like wow I'm in a whole new experience and it's either like based on like the types of ball fields that are around or uh -huh. the type of architecture that's around or the type of lawn that's around or just like or some sort of historical structure or museum like there's just constantly new kind of things and mm -hmm. and this feels a uh, a lot more i feel like we've seen only like three or four things so far yeah while walking and uh i think that's i think that's nice in its own way it feels a lot more uh I guess first impressions right now would just be uh, less fireworks show and more just like, all right, we're going to just slow down and like enjoy the space and, you know, be in, in a natural environment. Yeah. Mm. Like the highs are, the highs are higher and lows are lower out there. Uh, up there. Yeah. I mean, it, it just like, it's just a spectacle. It feels, everything <laughs> about it feels like a spectacle. And mm. here it just feels more like, uh, you know, somewhere to live in. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It feels to me more like space to be with yourself or with your family or your friends or the people you're there with you know and like to take in the space and kind of be present whereas in central park i feel more like i'm taking in the park mm -hmm. yeah so i want to switch gears a little bit because we 
I have like at least half a dozen questions for you. Oh, sure. Um, <laughs> so I think for starters, you uh, kind of pinpointed this day. You didn't request that it had to be this day, but it came to your mind that you wanted uh, Yom Kippur to be the day that we did this podcast. And uh, just kind of wanted to know a little bit about your uh, personal experience with the holiday and what it means to you and, and how it might relate to coming out on a walk with us. Sure. Um, in the past, it was something we did as a family in a super strict way. And I remember, so there's four things you're not supposed to do on Yom Kippur. Mm -hmm. See if I can remember them. Eating, of course, just mm -hmm. like the obvious. Wearing leather. Yeah, I saw that today. I looked it up. I was cool. like, that's cool. Because <laughs> yeah. leather is considered to be luxurious mm -hmm. and comfortable. Okay. From a perspective of someone in the 1600s. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think today you wouldn't be allowed to wear synthetic clothing, maybe. Mm -hmm. But that's not, the, that's not the kind of update that happens <laughs> in Orthodox Judaism. Right. <laughs> um, Maybe sometimes it does, but anyway, you're allowed to wear sweatpants. <laughs> um, you can't shower or bathe or wash your hands beyond the knuckles, I think, or something oh. like that. And I mean, sex is not allowed, but I don't think that's one of the four. Mm. Anyway, so we would do all those. And I remember being a kid and like, I had my watch on and I was like six. And I was like, dad, do we have to go home? He was like, no, oh. <laughs> he didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, one, no one cared. But then I stopped doing Jewish practices. Well, for a while I was trying to figure it out. How do I make who I am more connect with this thing that I have a mostly, here should we move over? Oh. <laughs> yeah. mostly tense relationship with. And so actually in Prospect Park in 2011 when I lived here, I made my own Yom Kippur celebration, oh, wow. which was really fun and weird. <laughs> But ultimately, I don't know if you were on my listserv while it was called Bill Hazelper Reunion. I don't, you know, we realized I don't, I'm not on your listserv. Oh, you're not? And I need to get on it. <laughs> Mike shares it with me. Oh. <laughs> and I feel like I'm on it, but I need to get myself on sure, it. Sure, I'll add you on. Yes, please. So, yeah, I, so, we'll so take a brief de detour to say that uh, Ariel runs this listserv email uh, weekly update for how long has it been now and now it's been like a decade or more wow wow yeah. and now it, it's different all the time and it's really like kind of similar to being able to live the life you want to live when there's no money involved yeah. or there is money involved it's like google makes it free to have these infinite accounts right yeah. there's no reason not to keep going with it and so there's yeah anyway yeah um but yom kippur it feels like a day that's supposed to be special. Mm -hmm. And even though I've tried to let go of it, <laughs> um, the day itself, I couldn't just work on it. It's mm. like this plot of land that I had to take the house down from, mm -hmm. but we can't build anything else there. Mm. So I try to do something special every year. Last year we went to the bathhouses, which seemed kind of normal because we do bathhouse a lot. Yeah. But now that COVID has happened, yeah. there will never be a bathhouse again. Right. <laughs> and before that, for two years, I went to my friend Eric Steiner's mm -hmm. land. He bought some land upstate and hasn't like built anything. So it was this private yet public to us. Yeah. Or rather private, but un, but, but still natural land. Oh, wow. That was just bizarre. So we want to go up here. Okay, let's do it. Um. 
And so this felt like a special way to spend the day, something purposeful. Yeah. That would be remembered. Um, and is an uplifting to life in general, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And so far it has been exactly that. Good. <laughs> good. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so uh, atonement, mm -hmm. you know, is an interesting concept. You know, I, I grew up Catholic mm. and... That makes sense. I kind of find that Catholics are great. Yeah, I just love <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, I, I mean, I think they're... I, I also grew up on Long Island, you know. So you did? See, yeah, with similar backgrounds. I grew up on, in Huntington. Oh, I'm sure yeah. we've spoken about this before. Probably. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think because of the Long Island connection, but also because they're Abrahamic religions, mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel like that there is a lot of uh, overlap in terms of what the religions provide the people that are committed to it. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and the idea of, of sin, mm. for better or for worse, is like one of them, I think. Mm. And, you know, atonement in Catholicism is you go to confession. Mm -hmm. And also kind of like a lesser considered one is that you do have your sins forgiven every time you go to Mass. Mm -hmm. You, everybody mm. in the Mass communicates that they have sinned. Uh -huh. And then there, those kind of venial sins, the less serious ones, are all washed away with the presumption that like, you don't really commit mortal sins on a regular basis, and if you do, you should go to confession. <laughs> yeah, get yourself right? in the, yeah. In the but, confession um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess my question is with, with this being atonement, like did you, was that something that was featured in your understanding growing up, and did it feel different to you after the day, if so? Oh, no. Yeah. It did not. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a more interesting answer if the answer no, was yes. No, no. I think it's interesting. I, I mean, I'm yes. always surprised. So I, I'd like to talk a little more about collaboration in terms of Vox and Olmsted later. Yeah. So, my, so much of my life, like from my email, is about collaboration. Not a purposeful one, kind of the ongoing mm. collaboration. Mm -hmm. And so there are four friends, including my brother in that four, who all have our own... Maybe we should sit on the bench for a little. This is the high point nice. of Prospect nice. Park. Nice. Um, it's a nice little bench. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we each have our own relationship with leaving the formal Orthodox structure. Mm. And I'm always surprised to hear when one of them is like, no, no. Like the answer to your question would have been yes. It oh. felt so different. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> then how, like, how did you leave? Yeah. <laughs> if it meant something to you. But for me, it didn't really. I think from an early age, my brain was, is such that it saw a lot of stuff that just like, didn't, so much of my growing up with religion was very different. Like it had no connection to nature mm. being a constant <laughs> thriving and living thing around us. Right. There was just like no conversation <laughs> where that happened. Interesting, yeah. And so it's just like, okay, but this whole thing that's really, like, on base level, attractive, it's like more than attractive, it's mm -hmm. everything, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, is never confronted. Hmm. I wonder, yeah. you know, I, I grew up Christian, but not Catholic. Mm. I grew up in the UCC church, which, which is United Church of Christ. Okay. Their motto is, God is still speaking, comma. Uh-huh. 
interesting. Right? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it was very liberal, progressive, Christian. Uh-huh. And now that you mentioned the, the thought about nature, I don't remember ever really relating the the Jesus or the God or whatever it was that we were celebrating on a given day to nature in any powerful way. It might mm-hmm. be mentioned occasionally in a hymn or something, but yeah. Yeah. I don't recall. I mean, it's, you know, God created the earth. Yeah. Right. But God and, and, you know, God is everything. And so it's kind of, if the topic comes up, it's easy to like attribute it to God, but it's not God frontal, you know, yeah. right. it's, uh, it's in the background. Yeah. I think a lot about Terrence McKenna. I don't know if you know him, the mushroom guru of the 80s. Okay, yeah. He has a funny way of talking. And anyway, he's, one of his phrases is, culture is not your friend. Yeah. And he's really about ingesting lots of like um, psychoactive mushrooms, mm-hmm. taking a heroic dose, going beyond yeah, yeah. into the world of nature, mm. where culture is this thing that we put on top. It's like a nice little box you can be in, which is fine if you want to, but like the expansive whole world is just like oozing yeah. with interesting life all mm-hmm. around you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not trying to trick you. It's just doing its thing. Yeah. yeah. Including death. I mean, it wants to kill you if you're weak too. It's yeah. 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 <laughs> That's int- I do think that that, yeah, the, the spiritual understanding of nature, it actually relates a lot to, I think what we're doing. We talk about religion a uh-huh. lot too, as we're walking and what that means and like, you know, the differences and the similarities between all the many religions that there are. And, and it's funny how being out, especially in a space like this, where you're close to nature, mm. can connect you with whatever that is that is unclear if that's what, you know, a church or a temple or a sort of organized religious experience wants you to connect with. Yeah, definitely. If, if it, from my, I feel like I mean, every, I've sung Marissa every day. I feel more at peace with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing, but <laughs> there's a lot of trouble times in between. Mm. But from my perspective now, it seems crazy that you would ever tell someone have any expectations over where another living creature who's full of mystery would find their resonance. Mm. How could you possibly know? Yeah, your only mm-hmm. job is to find your own, which can be hard or simple depending on who mm-hmm. you are. Even that is not so straightforward. For some people, it's really easy. Yeah. And further, it's hard, and that's not fair, but that's just how it is. That's just how it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think some people get validation from their own existence by telling people what they think Absolutely. their existence should be. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but, uh, you know, we're, it's, it's not like we, we grow up with that for years, and it's probably our default means anyway. Like, even if we weren't, like, culturally kind of taught that path, probably just like biologically we would try and impress on to other people like what our agenda is anyway it takes that kind of that next step to get Mm. to the point where it's like yeah oh that's interesting cool you know picturing like two primitive cave people one's like have you eaten this amazing orange and i was like i don't like orange he's like no it's amazing (laughs) 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 totally the uh you bring up the mushroom thing i don't think there's going to be a a more appropriate segue for this uh, but I don't I don't uh, I don't think I communicated this to you but I may have at one of the Sunday dinners uh. when uh, with respect to the listserv yeah I was in Stockholm mm-hmm. Sweden on a business trip 
two years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I had mentioned prior uh, to starting uh, this podcast that I was looking for one of the emails mm. uh, that you had sent. And I would say that as far as my engagement with the listserv in general, and um, I'm presuming it's open to anybody that would like of to course. join it. So yeah. I, would, I would recommend anybody that's <laughs> interested in getting a, a, a weekly dose of um, um, cabinet of curiosity in your uh, you know, email that For- you, should, uh, you should contact and, and join. Um, is there what's the best way to do that? Can they e- one of the email addresses just email you? Yeah, if you post it, it'll be easier. But yeah, I'll Perfect. post it in the in the various ways to post it uh, on on in YouTube and etc. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's just it's it's great to have it come in the inbox each week and then like engage it at the level that you're going to engage it in. Like it's not, you know. A Home Depot spam email, like it's actually content in there each week, and then depending on where you are in your life, you can engage it to whatever degree you want. But I do like the idea that it's spam too, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's essentially spam you get twice a week. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was in Stockholm, Sweden, and I had uh, was there visiting the headquarters, the mothership, so to speak, of my job, my the previous job at the video game company. And it was the first time that I was there, and it was a bit of a, a arm twisting to get me over there, uh, which was kind of distasteful as far as I was concerned. That that was part of the thing, at least at, for a significant portion of the time that I was there. That uh, you know, it was a special thing to go over there, mm-hmm. and you had to like make sure that you went over there. Like you know, the baby bird gets fed. You know, like okay, type. interesting. <laughs> so I went over there and. I was, I had, it was, it was invigorating to be there and to like show my worth and to like meet people in person rather than having to deal with them on the internet. But it was also a very isolating experience being in a different country, not knowing the language, you know, people going home and and doing their thing and like me, like having to figure out like how to eat and how to, you know, do all that. And um, I got this email, and actually, I wonder. This one is uh, What's the date? from the. It's uh, October sixteenth, two twenty eighteen. Wow, almost exactly two years ago. Almost, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, and it was uh, the <laughs> the header was one colon four slash. This is mine colon the aggressiveness of ownership, <laughs> and uh, there you know there's a couple of pictures here. I'm not interested in competing with anyone. I hope we all make it on a big billboard. And I should say these images, all the content comes from everyone. It's a call and response email listserv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, on one day of the week, I say who wants to send in stuff. And it's always a different amount of people and always different people somehow. Wow. Yeah. And, then, and sometimes no one. Yeah. And then the next day, I put it all together. And sometimes I contribute a lot or everything. And sometimes I don't contribute anything at all. Yeah. So that's what you're getting are stuff that it's not me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, there's another one that's a GIF here, which I've always loved this. It's, uh, it's the sun moving through space, and it's showing all the planets rotating around it. And uh, it's, it's, it's not what we can conventionally think of the disk format. It is, uh, it's moving, and it looks like a vortex, a vortex, and that's what it says as uh, uh, the text underneath the GIF. It says it's a vortex, not a disk. <laughs> um, honestly, it kind of looks like it, it looks like a sperm, you know, like moving through space too, which is kind of interesting. But the thing that uh, really got me, again, I'm in my uh, uh, hotel room 
uh, I have like gotten like food from a 7-Eleven because like that was the easiest way to get food and I'm so whacked out on jet lag I don't really know what time it is you know and uh, at the bottom uh, it was uh, about fungiculture and I wonder if this is you or not um, I'll read it in an increasingly broken world fungiculture is an opportunity and just mind you there are links you know every three sentences or so uh, to a different thing you know that I'll only describe the first one. When you go to Opportunity, there is a, an entire website about how to raise uh, mushrooms. Mm. Um, available for anyone who needs it. Not a bummer for anyone or anyone feeling like they have to do it. There is no purely intellectual pursuit. Let me respectfully remind you, life and death are of supreme importance. Time swiftly passes by and opportunity is lost. Each of us should strive to awaken. Dot, 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 dot. Awaken, take heed. Do not squander your life. More than wanting others to love what we love, we want them to hate what we hate. T. Kinsella and D. Banhart demand all future leaders, one, are inaugurated with a psychedelic experience, and two, experience a day of hunger. Shelter, water, fire, food. God cities, not cities of God. All business travel distracts from suffering. Nobody creates their own salad <laughs> and the whole combination of experiences particularly business travel distracts from suffering was like what you know and so i think of all of the emails I'm i've sorry. gotten <laughs> no it was great it was really great i sent it to i sent it to, to jesse and she replied thanks it's good and true and hard <laughs> And, uh, that was me that responded. That was it. Yeah, so that's simply. what you said. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I think man. you were confused. I'm not sure. I because I just said I got this email from Ariel, and I didn't describe like read the bottom. Well, like, I must have read it if I said it's good and true and hard. Yes, you did, but I didn't give you any context for what you know I was going that's through. That's fine. Yeah. And to be fair, there is no context. No, no, no. There for isn't. for th for this project. Yeah, yeah. It's purposefully yeah. with that. But uh, yeah, so that was uh, the most impactful so one that I've had. And it was, yeah, I, I, a lot of times when I go on the, well, when I was going on those types of business trips, I would get on them and then feel that type of alienation. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was just cosmic to have that cool. happen at the right time. <laughs> Very cool. Do you recall if who wrote that or if you wrote that or? So it's a mix. I can give you the liner notes if you want. Okay. Um, I could do a short form liner notes, yeah. but basically, so my process for that listserv is like every, I can live through my week just for myself or just for me and Marissa and our dog Alfredo. Or I could do it like for my family and visit my grandparents. But I can also kind of do this hack where everything I listen to that's great, or I call gold, gets to be shared with now 81 people. Yeah. And it just feels like an easy, no cost thing to do. And so yeah. that's what it is, and that week I must have been working a lot, therefore listening to a lot of podcasts. Mm. And each sentence is basically from something else that was felt amazing that week. Um, and then this, the create your own salad is my observation. But for the most part, it's like, there's a part from Tim Kinsella, who is um, the band leader of the band Joan of Arc, Mm. Or maybe even more famously, Cap'n Jazz when he was like a teenager. I don't know if you've heard his stuff, but I don't think so. Very 
impactful mm-hmm. to me. Um, the mushroom thing is from the school where they yeah. do mushroom. There's a podcast. Anyway, it's all from different places. Yeah, yeah. The most surprising maybe is um, a line from Adam Smith, I think, which is I the one about we love more to hate. We want people to hate what we hate more than we want them to love what we love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I think about every day now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's It seems like the simple solution to why we are where we are. Yeah. 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 Um, and then the part about life and death is part of what's chanted at the monastery, I think, more than three times a day. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. As part of a bigger poem. And it's just like, yeah, that's relevant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that the one that I stumbled on happened to be the one that you made. That's just cool. I like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, everything at the end. The end is, is it always, that was, always you. It's like notes from the editor kind oh, of thing. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it feels like that's where I can be indulgent. I don't want to be, obviously the whole thing is indulgent, but I don't want to be indulgent in the main body of the email. So yeah, the yeah. postscript, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, should I, we keep, should we keep yeah, walking? let's keep walking. I'll reassemble the camera. <laughs> Maybe I'll share one more little thought. Yeah. yeah. All this, but also just on my art and life practice as I've been thinking about collaboration. Yeah. It came this week, kind of, this like nice phrase, which is, minor expression the art i like to make is minor expressions of major relationships Mm. and i was talking to my friend richard who maybe you know Mm -hmm. and we've been working on like music sort of together and he kept interviewing me about what i do and it was hard for me to say like this is what i do Mm. on the one hand i am putting things together my way Mm -hmm. but it feels like i'm just taking a cup of soup from a soup that's cooked daily through text messages with the four friends I mentioned and other people and that the line between our conversation right now and what I make later today or the email that comes on Friday feels unless it feels legally important to the other parties from the perspective of nature feels completely irrelevant Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna think about it Um, and everything I make feels copyleft free for all yeah because we don't even know how it comes out in others. Yeah. And so I was just, it's just, you know, I like that minor expressions to kind of put them, not take them as seriously as I have certainly in the past, right. <laughs> mm. but let the relationships be the most important thing because mm. they are so strong and they do keep us alive. Yeah. yeah. And then texting becomes our practice mm. because our practice stops being important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Minor expressions from major relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Keep tumbling it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of uh, ownership that we attribute to ideas and art practice and things like that is uh, definitely out of whack, mm. I think, in our society. I don't, you know, like music, you know, that the idea that it's like somebody owns it or... Yeah. Or like... Uh, you know, like how Disney has tried to basically perpetually own everything they've made, and it's like a, exactly. At what point is that not just something that we all own as a society? You know. Yeah, and and iteration is some is often the most beautiful thing because it's connection as well. And like you think about the early American music and jazz and hip hop that used sampling and you know all that. Yeah. It's like a it's like a language and a movement between people too. So yeah, 
I want to ask you about your video game ritual. Oh. We, we had we uh, so obviously the, of the people that listen to this, there is a meaningful amount that are involved in video games in some capacity. Oh, cool. oh so you probably know that Vlambeer then. I honestly I don't, which is part of the reason that, uh, and that'll be good for the people that don't but know some about video games. Probably yeah. Will know. So uh, Ariel put together a ritual upon the completion of this specific video game, which regrettably we missed because we were moving into our Staten Island residence for the month. It was a wonderful event. Yes, yeah. but we, you know, you said you were going to tell us about oh, it. Oh, sure, I'll tell you about it. Of here course. we are. Of course, and it relates to the park. Oh. oh, great. Because the game itself is very similar to what we were saying in the beginning. It presents itself as being extremely difficult, but you're almost at the end. It keeps telling you you're, you're almost halfway there. <laughs> and like, that's true, except the game never ends. It yeah. loops infinitely. Okay. Oh, okay. wow. And so I used to play a lot, and then I'd come, I'd be looping, and then I'd be looping here on the park. Wow. And that just felt special. Yeah. But the Could, game, oh yeah. Yeah, tell us about the game, like the genre and, and all that. It is a roguelike game, which yep. is a phrase I learned recently. Um, well, since I started playing, like, over a year ago. Which I could explain a little bit. Sure. Okay. It's top-down arcade-style shooter mm. um, where lots of stuff is randomly generated. So there are, this is basically a 16-level looped gauntlet, meaning you have to make it through each of the 16 passages, um, and then at the 16th you go back to the first, but it's harder. Okay. And the 16 have a very specific set of parameters, that, so they'll always be kind of the same. The first three are always, you're in the desert, and there's always the same bad guys, but how many of each, where they are, what the landscape looks like, are all randomly generated. Mm. So there's always a feeling of discovery, and um, you need to find certain boxes that you know are going to be there, um, but you don't know where or how hard. It could be, there's one level in specific called the labs that you go into, and it's hilarious because sometimes it's so easy. And sometimes it's so hard, you just cannot beat it. And every time you, f you die, you go right back to the beginning. You can't save anything. Okay. Um, except for certain achievements, unlock more characters and stuff. Right. So that's basically the game. It's super hard. It's more of a place to be, in mm. a way, than a game to play. I feel like it expands my feeling of being alive, not like I have to finish it. Mm. Um, and to get 100% is really like a, s a stupid and hard challenge where you're like just doing the same things over and mm. over in every possible iteration. Yeah. Um, but due to being without a job for a while, this made me feel the happiest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I still play. Uh, there's many other parts we discussed. It has a really awesome weekly and daily leaderboard. Okay. Mm. So every week, one possible set of randomness is kind of locked down. Okay. So you can explore one set of randomness, of randomness, meaning the first desert will always be the same, the second desert will always, always be the same, etc. And you can explore that for a whole week, and whoever did the best, the top 10 are listed, and the top 60 are listed. Okay. And then every day, there is one set of randomness that everyone gets to play the same one, but only once. 
I see. Oh, wow. And so it's okay. like, have you practiced today? Oh, you haven't? Don't do the daily yet. Right. <laughs> practice for like three or four hours. Wow. Because you want to get in the groove. Yeah. yeah. And then in my house, we have what's called the kiss of death, which means I'm playing and Marissa comes and gives me a kiss and I'm, the flow is ruined. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> But it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really about getting into the pattern and the rhythms. Yeah. Right. Knowing all possibilities that can happen taking what you have, being cool with it, yeah. slowing down or speeding up. The colors are crazy, like it's um, um, in the email, you, maybe the email recap, there were pictures of like Tibetan art, gods with many heads. And the example I gave of the, gave of the game is that, and this is like the last but most important point almost. Yeah. When the game loops, it gets exponentially harder, but also exponentially more ridiculous. And it's kind of like if you, have breakfast one day. Well, also it takes four or five months to even get to the last level. Oh, wow. Like the last of the 16. And you've already played probably two or 300 hours. Yeah. Without knowing what it means to go full loop. Wow. And the full loop is so satisfying. And that part of the game is really what it's about. You realize the whole first 400 hours were just teaching you the rules. Wow. <laughs> you gotta try it. Yeah, so yeah, it sounds cool. <laughs> it's called Nuclear Throne. I haven't even said the name. Nuclear Throne, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So what, what did the conclusion ritual itself look like? Oh, so in Jewish culture, if you finish a, um, a tractate of the Talmud, there are basically prayers you say that are things like talking about the infinity of studying the Talmud and how it goes on forever and I've mm. just tapped into a small part and may it benefit all beings and may my learning continue forever. And We basically just replaced the tractate of Talmud with the game Nuclear Throne. My friend Tal and my brother Rafi, who also play this game and we have a long-standing text investigation of the game. Yeah. Each gave speeches. Nice. Um, and, and then there were a few questions that everyone got to answer, mm. uh, which is my style of group leadership. Yeah. yeah. And they had to do with the sublime in art because I felt like there were moments of the game. There are moments of the game because it's all based on randomness or internal randomness where you can set up a, a series of parameters that cause such a glitch in the game that when you shoot the big plasma cannon, everything shakes with all the loot that you're getting and that's being destroyed. Like you've set up this system that usually has an end, but at least the Nintendo Switch can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that on the, if you play on the computer, it can. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's so satisfying that you made this internal system and have survived 20 odd minutes long enough to to release this blast that creates such chaos. Wow. And, awesome. and, and balance, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and then we had a little, uh, yeah, there were a few other elements. There's, yeah, uh, anyway, <laughs> I could send some links, but. Yeah, yeah. Did, uh, did you record the Zoom? No, no we it just I happened asked, in the, it was ephemeral. Exactly. Yeah. I asked mm -hmm. Tal and Rafi if they would ever want to watch it again they're like no yeah okay i think we're all on the same page yeah we're all yeah. kind of exhausted from technology yeah yeah <laughs> i mean uh it might be if you're so inclined cool to reach out to the developers we i did. think they would oh you did oh, you we did? did we had email contact with paul veer okay. who is 
named right at the top there. Yeah. Well, there was a nice moment where I was, you can post from your Switch to Twitter directly. Oh, 30 wow. second clips of your gameplay. Okay. So I posted, and no one follows me on Twitter. I don't use it really. I just was storing my videos and you could see a crazy progression if you play the game. And then one of them had like 18,000, 1800 views. Oh my gosh. Not a huge amount, but one of the developers wrote on it, like our game's art. And it was a pretty funny moment in the game, like that you can make happen. Uh, tragic and funny. And it just felt so nice. Like yeah. oh, isolated in pandemic and JR of Lambier noticed me. Yeah. <laughs> and then we wrote to one of the other developers. So yeah, and apparently like the day after this, the Seum, they disbanded Lambier as an entity. They said the project has completed its goals and it's over. Wait, the day after you had your Just event? about, yeah. Wow. We invited them, but they didn't attend. They're busy yeah. people and yeah. they live in, they're Dutch. Yeah. yeah. But I felt like, wow. <laughs> yeah. But I also love that because I think more projects need to be upfront about when they're, when it's time to recycle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And understanding that it's maybe time to get off that particular loop. Yeah. Don't hoard. Yeah. <laughs> that is some cosmic timing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it. Well, this is where the uh, documentation ends. Uh, thank you all so much for watching. Thank you for joining us, Ariel. Yeah, thank, thank you, you for, for letting me invite myself. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. And uh, for all those out there, you know, please continue listening, liking, sharing. Uh, we do it for ourselves and we do it for you. And we appreciate this relationship and we want to see it continue. So thanks so much. Take care for now. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>